Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Hi, welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Lisa Ryan. And I'm Caitlin Menza. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Make sure to follow our... (laughs) Follow us. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed, which is a really hopping place with a lot of meetups being organized. Oh I'm overwhelmed. It's so beautiful and amazing and we love it. Um, you can also subscribe to the podcast and leave us the royal rating of a five-star review. And if you want, you're welcome to send us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. And this week, oh my God, so much to cover. <laughs> yeah. You take one week and go to Norway and this is what happens. <laughs> Caitlin, you cannot leave the country. I know it. I really Stop know it. Stop traveling. Stop having a better life than the rest I of us. I will not. Uh, so first, we are going to, as promised, unpack everything from Will and Kate's Pakistan tour extravaganza. Was that weird? Extravaganza? You said it like um, RuPaul, if anybody watches RuPaul's Drag Race, she's oh, one of the vendors they always mention on the show has extravaganza in it. And that's how RuPaul says it. So oh. that, that might be where you're coming from. So I'm in great company. Absolutely. And then, of course, we're talking about Megan and Harry's Africa tour documentary. And speaking of tours, Caitlin, you have just returned to our fair country. Yes. Yes. So I wanted to tell you guys just a little bit about it. So I was in Denmark and Norway last week on a press trip, which is like a quick moment to note that I got some DMs about this. And I know it seems like I'm traveling often. And part of my life is as a travel writer. And I just want to clarify that I do not fund these things myself. <laughs> you do not have the money for the massive no. muscle that yeah. you ate that is the size of a hand or <laughs> no. larger? Yeah, larger than my hand. Um, I just I know that there's like some mystery around this. And I just want it to be clear that I don't pay for that. And when I'm on these sorts of trips, um, I do travel a fair amount on my own for vacations and things because like I'm a Portugal. freelancer like Portugal this year um, but yeah those things are completely paid for by tours and boards or hotels or other places that want me to write about them so that's how that works I just wanted to mention that um, uh, behind but- the music <laughs> pulling back the curtain so first I was in Copenhagen saw the palace there lovely really beautiful. Um, and then I was in Trondheim, Norway, which also had a palace there, a royal residence. Was for- that the wood one? So that was the wooden one it's the largest wooden royal residence in Scandinavia, if not all of Europe, um, because you don't see a lot of wooden residences, right? Like, how weird is that? Yeah, I know. It's like fire. It's it's not great for fire. Uh, Trondheim had a history of burning down, like often. Oh, no. Yeah, like the whole city would burn down. A bad um, history. Multiple times. Yeah. So why why it's so long that it took people to stop burning their own houses down but and like not lighting things on fire within their homes but they got there now it was beautiful the of course we didn't go inside or anything but the you know it was just it looked like a really beautiful great big house and then anybody who follows me on social media might have seen that one of the days i was in norway we took a little train ride to a nearby 
copper mining town Aww. that is called Roros. Roros. <laughs> so I didn't know we were going there until I got the itinerary like three days before I left. And of course, I was super emotional and excited. And uh, the other journalists on the trip with me, I kept asking them to take photos of me like under <laughs> signs that said Roros. And I liked that one of the O's was sort of struck out. So you really, it looked super Norwegian, you know, mm-hmm. not just like I made it up. Um, so it was really lovely. They Nobody really understood what I was going for there. <laughs> they do not listen to your podcast. It's weird. I know. Uh, maybe they will now, but it was just super charming. Um, because wonderful. you're walking around everywhere like, Roros, that's me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the hotel I was staying in, in Trondheim, uh, the Britannia, they had a visit from Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip in 1969, and they have pictures of it everywhere. They're super, super proud of it, of course, because it's a big deal yeah. for like a smaller city in Norway to have a visit from the Queen. And they even listed, uh, the restaurant is still open of the hotel that she ate in, and they still list what she ate, which involved like trout and their famous cheesecake. So I just thought that there's like a note. Did you eat that? I did not. Mm. I ate every other kind of like fish. Seems like you're not a real row uh, It's confusing. But <laughs> I did on my final meal there eat under a wall of photos of Queen Elizabeth walking into the hotel. It was just very cute. Um, Perfect. So lovely little stop. Um, but I'm very happy to be back. And it was killing me to be away. All I wanted to do was talk about this Pakistan tour. And I was in Roros when the video, the first clip of the Megan documentary came up. And I was like, who can I talk about this with? I couldn't get any service. I couldn't text Lisa. It was very stressful. <laughs> so I'm really excited for this. Well, we are happy to have you back. Thank you. Um, and so we forgot to mention the Royal Refreshment. It seems like someone who was leading the episode <laughs> did not bring it up. That's um, you, I think. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. have a Royal Refreshment and I've had most of it. Yeah. And now it's time for the weekly Royal Cocktail. Well, I poured it, which obviously means I did a great job. Um, it's a, we found it on the freebie table, but it's Whitley Gin, right? You can see the full label. I can't. Blood orange gin. Yeah, but the the brand is Whitley something. Whitley Neal. Whitley Neal. It's a blood orange gin, and we mix it up with some of the the seltzer in our office machine. The bevy machine. The bevy machine. <laughs> it's delicious, obviously. Super delicious. Lisa which just is, drank it down. I know. <laughs> good luck. It myself. wasn't. It wasn't a judgment. It's really good. So now we have a listener email. It's from Mrs. Schmidt. It's so charming. It's so charming. Will you read it, Caitlin? Yes, I will. Um, So the subject line is the Stand By Me Choir. I'm shaking right now as I type this email as I'm so excited to tell you fabulous cities what I got to experience today. I'm a music and theater teacher for grades K through 8 at a small Catholic school in Texas, and today my students attended an arts program at our local high school. Little did I know that the program would feature the Kingdom Choir who sang Stand By Me at Harry and Meghan's wedding. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Karen Gibson, the lead singer, called for a volunteer, and she selected one of my six grade students she had him up on stage and participate a little bit and she hugged him when he left needless to say i hugged my students straight away therefore i'm astounded to say that i have hugged someone who has been <laughs> hugged by a person who played a role in the life of megan and harry and has probably hugged them is it a far <laughs> is this a far stretch for a royal connection maybe do i care no because i'm really obsessed that's so i amazing. love it so much and she notes later in class i discussed with students the importance of a choir of color performing at such an event and highlighted the significance of a woman of color becoming a member of the royal family i spoke about their africa tour and sweet baby archie and how far interracial acceptance has come so lovely um that and sounds like the sort of teacher I wish I had. I know, right? And she said, next time I'm in New York, we have to have a G&T together, which is so appropriate for this week's cocktail. Warmly yours, Mrs. Schmidt. And she attached some photos of her 
very British looking classroom, which is so funny. There are some cutouts of the faces of the Cambridges and the Sussexes. And there's a full body cutout of Will and Kate at their engagement announcement. It's so funny. Um, So thank you so much to Mrs. Schmidt, which again is how she addressed or um, signed off the email because she is a teacher after all. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you so much for writing in. Uh, And then we have This Week in Royal History, which I'm so delighted for as well. It's just an episode of Delights. We are so happy. (laughs) And now... This week in royal history. So Mike Tyndall, <laughs> uh, one of our all-time favorite royal Slash human family beings. members. He is amazing. He's one of the funniest people around. He was born on the 18th of October, 1978. Yes. Yeah, so happy birthday to Mike. Hurrah. Hurrah. Um, he, of course, was a rugby player, which you can know if you look at his poor face. Where he's a very handsome face, but his nose has been broken eight times. That's a, a fun fact. That's so many times. We pulled up some other fun facts. Um, he he um, won. He was part of the, the England team, which won the 2003 World Cup. And it was there that he uh, met his wife. So that I don't think. Zara I, Phillips. Yes. I don't think I realized that that was like the story that he was. Well, he was drowning his sorrows because he was cut from the team before the semifinals. But she was there to like see the World Cup and they just struck up a conversation like what a great move. Um, and then he had said, I've, I'd never been in love before and Zara's the love of my life, which oh, is so lovely. I know. Cut to the core of me. I know. Um, and they got married on July 30th, 2011, uh, which, of course, was, you know, two months after Will and Kate. Um he retired from rugby in 2014, which is the same year that his daughter Mia, their daughter Mia was born. And then they had their second daughter last year. Um, and I also love his friendship. <laughs> I, I found this anecdote. He um, from via um, town and country, by the way, he and Harry are pretty close. Um, and so he said he told a British radio show uh that when I saw that they were getting married, I text he and Megan, I texted Prince Harry and I said, I've written my speech. I'm ready. And Harry said, sorry, mate, that job's full, but I do need someone to show people where to park their cars. <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> I freaking love them. I love Mike Tyndall. Um, you we know, follow him on Instagram. Yes, his Instagram, like this, I actually Wait, I don't learned. Know, should we say? I he think... doesn't seem to be advertising it. The thing is, I we it's... found it in the Facebook group. Yeah, of thanks Riley to Obsessed. the Facebook group. Is so how maybe I got we don't it. say. I don't want to dox just in case, but it is. I public. don't think it's a doxing because it's like public and it has eleven thousand followers, and it definitely seems like it him. seems like it's him. Maybe it's not, but like. How would you get? I don't know how all these other things would be posted, Um, but it's Mike underscore Tyndall twelve, so that's fine. (laughs) It's not that secret. It's not that. It's just not that secret. And also, you'll find it because Lisa and I are following him. Um, Oh man, he's just listen. He's just the best. And his moment um, at Royal Ascot this summer, where he pulled the tiny chocolate hat out of his big hat, the chocolate hat which he was storing under his top hat because he didn't have room in his pockets for it. It's it's chocolate for his daughter. It's one of the all time best. um, Just delightful, delightful moments. So um, let's get into Pakistan. Yes. And so a disclaimer, uh, we can't cover every single moment because we do have a lot to cover this week. But these are some of the stuff that has really stood out for us. Yes. Yes. Um, So perhaps. And we're not quite in chronological order either. Okay. Where would you like to start? Um, I think. Why don't we first start with uh, Kate speaking to CNN? Yes, Yes. She gave an interview to CNN's Max Foster at the end of a visit to the SOS Children's Village in Lahore. And it's an organization that provides young children with a ho- with a home, education, security during their formative years. And she said, and of course, 
I'm not going to do a British accent. Right. You can, and it's really tough to do Kate's. Eric Singer tried to teach us. <laughs> and I think even he was horrified by what was coming out of my mouth. I remember it was like black cat. Blick. not working. Blick. Blick it. Anyway. Um, so she said, William and I really wanted to come and see an SOS children's village like this. There's so many valuable women here, but they've really used their positivity and the support. Vulnerable women. Oh, yeah. Sorry. What did I say? Valuable. It's okay. Start it over. Start, Start it over. There's so many vulnerable women here that they've really used their positivity and the support that the village here provides them really to support and protect the next generation of children in their care and give them the best possible start to their future lives. Yeah. And she noted that they've seen we've seen so much of Pakistan because, again, this was towards the end. Um, that It was a huge variety of engagements. Um, it's been amazing seeing some of the geography and then some of the community activities like this has been really special. And I feel like really special is what was getting picked up. And yeah. People are like, Kate says her trip is really special. And it's like, of course. Of sure. Positive adjective. Like, what else are you going to say? Yeah. It's- not special. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it got a lot of play, I think, just because Kate was speaking to an American outlet. That's kind of what I think, honestly, because oh, yeah. I was like sense. the interview was like polite and fine. But there were just to me, um, I don't know, other standout moments, which we'll, we're getting into. So I really liked that the first speech of the Pakistan tour, she uh, was at the SOS Children's Village and she Spoke in Urdu, which I'm not going to attempt to do. No, but there's a translation. Not. But there luckily. is a, We have a translation. She said, um, hello, peace be upon you, um, Aman, Abraham, and Danielle. Thank you for inviting us to your birthday celebration. I really encourage you to watch the video of her speech, uh, especially of the Urdu portion, because she, once she does it, she gives like a little like shoulder shake of like <laughs> a little dance. Yeah, like, OK, I got through that. Like you can just <laughs> see her sort of relax when she's like. Not proud of herself per se, but it's like, okay, I did it. Like, I didn't screw that up, you know? And she's waiting for the crowd to react, which of course they do, mm-hmm. um, which was just really, really charming. I just feel like I'm always struck by Kate. I mean, Megan and Kate both do this, obviously. They they all do, but you're like, oh, she really did her homework. Like, you can just picture, like, Kate rehearsing that speech, you know, at home and, like, on the plane and everything. In front of a mirror. Yeah, in front of a mirror being <laughs> like, how did I, you know, like, working with her Pakistani group to be like, how did I, did I pronounce everything correctly? Um, so I really, that was very charming. I really like that the speech went on to talk about um, the importance of family. Yes. And she says, parents, children's aunts, uncles, grandparents all play important roles. You've reminded us exactly what family means. You've shown us to that it is not simply a term that describes a relationship between blood relatives. Instead, it describes those special bonds we share with those who make us feel safe and supported. It is the quality of those relationships that matter. Oh, I really like that. So that was excellent. Um, I feel like maybe we can jump into a a fashion moment. Of course, her first um, outfit off the plane, unbelievably stunning. It was so glam. Super glam. But Caitlin, that's further down in the rundown. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I just, I'm looking at this picture of her now um, at the You can the talk mosque. about this one. Yeah, okay. So we have, um, we're also looking at the the second day, I believe it was the second day, is when they went to um, the mosque and she wore like, you know, the sort of um, turquoise and gold shawar kameez and um, a headscarf. And they were there for prayers, um, and they learned about the site's history within the walled city of Lahore um, and sat down for a chat with religious leaders and, you know, um, read to a listened to a prayer read from the Quran. Uh, and that that outfit that she wore was by Maheen Khan, who's a Pakistani designer. Um, and she 
I think also she wore other designs of hers throughout the week. Yes, that was just such a stunning outfit, such a beautiful moment. I love the images there. Um, yeah, I it feel was like powerful, she- and you can see uh, William is wearing socks, and she's wearing what appears to be like nude pantyhose. Oh, always, never just like a barefoot, right? Yeah, always and pantyhose so for the mosque. I think I just I. I love when anyone from the royal family goes to a mosque because I think it's so important to honor that. And I just thought that was a really beautiful moment. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it was um, an event, like a week of, um, I don't think we actually have it here in front of us, but um, when they had the nighttime event, and of course, uh, William also wore traditional Pakistani clothing. I do have it. Sorry. (laughs) I organized this very well, Caitlin. Don't you know how type A I am? I sorry, think I'm a sorry. very annoying Go person ahead. with Go that ahead. Type Go ahead. Okay, so next on our list, um, the Instagram posts. So we've seen Harry and Meghan leave personalized Instagram posts, but we haven't really seen that from Will or Kate, at least really from my rec- re- recollection yeah. until now. But um, there was a post on Kensington Royal, again, from the SOS Village that was signed Catherine with a Yes. Scene. Yeah. I felt like that was, I mean, they, they do it occasionally on their uh, Twitter feed, but I think this was the first time that I can remember. Yeah. Do it, them doing it on Instagram, usually on Twitter when like something sports related happens, then William will sign it a little W. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this was a post like soccer related. Exactly. That was signed from Catherine um, again about the SOS village. I think it was something that really touched her. Um, and so that was a beautiful one. If you, you know, if you want to pull it back up, it's just them speaking with the children so uh it was a nice it was a nice touch i thought and of course um we always love when either of diana's sons have moments that kind of deal with her and pakistan was so important to diana so of course you can't really have william go to pakistan without diana moments so we have a couple that we want to discuss and one of them is just really sweet and really heartwarming and we found it on people and so when uh William and Kate went to the Islamabad Model College for Girls. They bonded with a group of teenagers over their shared admiration of Diana. Yeah, there was um, one 14-year-old girl who told them that they were, quote, big fans of Diana. And William smiled and said, you were really. That's very sweet of you. I was a big fan of my mother, too. Um, She came here three times. I was very small. Uh, This is my first time, and it's very nice to be here and meet you all. There's something very charming about a 14-year-old saying that to him, you know, because, of course, she wasn't alive when Diana was alive. And it's just, it's amazing that a new generation is finding her, you know? Yeah, of course. And then um, another thing we wanted to discuss. um, So Imran Khan gave an interview to CNN, and he talked about meeting with William and of course Imran Khan uh, was quite close with Diana. Yes. He uh, sh- Diana was really close with his ex-wife Jemima Goldsmith. Um, she often took her sons to play in the garden of Jemima Goldsmith's family home, and there's images of them all together in Pakistan or Diana with yeah. Jemima and Imran. So, um, yeah, she actually visited Pakistan several times right before she passed away, like the year and two before. Um, and she was raising funds for a hospital project um, that Khan was working on. And that hospital has since opened, which, of course, is one of, was one of the stops on the tour. Yeah. So he uh, actually had um, a meal with William at his residence. And he told CNN that during the lunch meeting, he made sure to really point out to William the impact of Diana's work in the country. And this is a quote. He said, I was telling Prince William that I was in the Outbacks, my constituency. I was touring when I heard of the accident. And I can tell you that the impact it had on people shocked me. 
he continued, that he wouldn't have even thought that that they would have heard of Princess Di, but then he was really amazed that even people in the rural constituencies knew all about her. Yeah, like even people in rural Pakistan were horrified about her, like knew of her and knew, were horrified of her death. Um, and I believe it was at that, that was the hospital visit where we saw them drinking tea with the young girl and wearing the tiaras. Oh, <laughs> it was oh my so God. cute. That was such it's, a heartwarming It's moment. such a lovely moment. And it's just, it's fun to see them being sort of silly. And it's just, um, well, it's fun to watch a duchess wearing a tiara that's like made of plastic, right? <laughs> um, and it just is such a reminder of them. I love seeing them with all children, um, but it it's nice to see them like that and be reminded again that they're amazing parents, you know? Yeah, that's really where they shine. Anything with children. They love that. Yeah. Or the environment. Yes, that's mm-hmm. true. And then I'm sure everybody saw this because I'm sure that everyone who listens to us also follows like Royal Reporters or um, Chris Jackson of Getty on Instagram. And so... William and Kate had pretty much what sounds like the flight from hell. Oh, my God. Like a nightmare flight. Like my biggest fear is, well, first of all, like death and then second (laughs) failure. But Mm -hmm, then third, mm -hmm. like a really horrible flight. (laughs) Yeah, this, my God. So they, oh, God, they were supposed to, they were flying from Lahore to Islamabad, which is only supposed to be a 26 minute flight, like in total. And they were flying for like over an hour because they couldn't get, um, they circled Islamabad for an hour trying to land and they kept just going into clouds of lightning. And God, it just to me, it sounded to me like um, the scene from Almost Famous where they're all just like saying goodbye to each other and like naming things that they have been lying about because they're all just like, oh, this is it. This is, we're going to die. And of course, like, you can't say that's what happened. No, no. But I'm just like, that's how I imagine the scene. And for these two people who are always so pulled together, like, my God, right? And so, of course, when they got out, they both, you know, gave interviews about it. Um, And so did the Royals reporters who were on the flight with them. Like, so one shared on Twitter, Prince William, who was a pilot, just joked that he was fine, even if the rest of the plane and the Royal Press Corps were a little shaken. Um, And Kate said in an interview, um, I think it was quite an adventure, really. It was pretty bumpy up there, but we were looked after so wonderfully by the RAF, who did a great job liaising with everyone and got us home safely. So we're hugely grateful to them. It's so um, such a polite way to describe their experience. And of course, they're grateful to the RAF. But I'm like, what? (laughs) I would have emerged with a new revelation about my life. I would have changed everything yes <laughs> i'd be on like some eat pray love adventure right now yeah. but like mostly just probably uh, trying to never be on a plane oh my god it's just but wow we are, we are too personally invested in chris jackson now yes and so i was following him and i'm just like oh my god yeah Theo. i just hope they're all okay Oof, that was and then to have to like look good and be on the next day and like oh it was jolly fine yeah yeah know. yeah eric just... singer i hope you weren't listening <laughs> Just wow. Um, and of course, like what a way to like end the trip. Like I'm sure they didn't want to end. It was such a it was such a success. And obviously this didn't change it being a success, but I'm sure that's not like how they wanted to cap it, you know? Mm-hmm. And now we wanted to go over some of Kate's looks that yeah, we were really into you. and one of Williams. <laughs> yeah, the one. The uh, one where I he mean, wasn't dressed like No, that. he looked fine, obviously. The I mean, rest of the time he looked but fine. It's, just, it's hard when, you know, the person you're standing next to looks so amazing to yes. like really and when her Get fashion is like cool and interesting and he's just like a dude most of the time. We mentioned the first look, which was that like ombre. What like what a standout like knockout first look, by the way. And that was just getting off the plane. It wasn't Iconic even an event. image. Yeah. And then Kensington Royal posted that incredible like 
uh, backlit photo of them getting off the plane. Like, so awesome. Also, she was wearing really crazy high heels. And I was like, girl, how are you doing that? Anytime somebody walks off a plane, like, I think when I say somebody, I mean her or Megan. Yeah. And they're wearing any celebrity. I'm like, how are you walking in front of all these people in four inch heels? I don't wear heels to work because I'm worried about the walk to the bathroom. It's too. It's so stressful. But she looked so cool. Like what a super, super glam moment. It was Catherine Walker. Catherine Walker. And I do want to say that this first outfit kind of set a tone uh, or set a color palette. She basically wore shades of blue and green the whole week, um, aside from their moments um, where they were visiting the area of the glacier. Like she almost always was in green or blue. Um, and then at the end, she was in black and white. And then she wore uh, Catherine Walker again. That was the uh, green, like bright Kelly green or Pakistani flag green outfit that she wore over white pants, um, also by Maheen Khan. And that was when she met with the prime minister um, with a headscarf was also tossed over her shoulder, the dupata. Um, and then that night, I believe, is when she went to the risk. They both went to the reception of the Pakistan National Monument and she wore the incredible sequin Jenny Packham. Already legendary. I love Jenny Packham. I love when Kate wears Jenny Packham. And the fact that she found like an appropriate uh, Jenny look for this event, I just adored. Um, but then if- William stepped up. Yes. So, yeah, he, he was you know, wearing a traditional long coat. Yes. By a Pakistani designer. And looked amazing. Also, they arrived in a tuk-tuk, which, of course, we got to see another version of that when they posted the video summing up the trip mm-hmm. on the Instagram account, which I adored. Um, so, yes, somehow, I wouldn't say he upstaged her, but he actually got attention at a time when Kate's wearing, like, head-to-toe sequins, which is hard to do. I think it's just we don't expect him to not wear khakis. That's true. Or a tux, I guess. And it was really just a great move for him and so respectful. And it's amazing how little it takes. Like, again, the part the point, part of the point of this trip was to help British-Pakistani relations. And, like, it's stuff like this that shows your respect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you- no. I set off Siri. I was going to say, were you Googling something while we were talking? Ah, <laughs> Um, okay. Is there anything else? Oh, wait, the the tour ended on puppies. Oh yeah. So that's great. If every tour could end on puppies, that's just my advice to Kensington every Palace. Day. If every day, if every event, if every tour could end on a puppy event, I mean, these are great canines that are like helping the military, but still. Um my note, more puppies. More puppies. Um, so that is Pakistan. I think that's the end of Royal Tours twenty nineteen, which crushes me. Yes. What do I have, Lisa? What do I have? The Africa documentary. Oh, that's true. Okay. Where Thank we can you. relive the tour. Okay. So, so oh, oof. Okay. Oof. So, before this documentary was released, um, we got to see Harry and Meghan at the Well Child Awards in yes. London. And of course, Meghan was mar- wearing her amazing green engagement dress. Yes. She looked so stunning. I think you and I were just DMing each other pictures of her, like, how Gorgeous. is it possible? Amazing. Like, how can anyone Love look so it. good? Like, Enthralling. Like Her- extremely rude for anyone to look that beautiful. She looked so great. I loved like the this much longer hair that she has. It just looks so great. Um, so this event, like just a great outfit would have been enough to make me adore it. But Harry gave an incredible speech uh, where he he teared up. I like I don't we'll see if I can talk about it without crying because I if you haven't watched the video, definitely do that. Um, he basically explained that um 
when he and Megan attended the awards last year um, that they knew they were pregnant, but no one else did. And I remember, quote, I remember squeezing Megan's hand so tight during the awards, both of us thinking what it would be like to be parents one day and more so what it would be like to do everything we could to protect and help our child should they be born with immediate challenges or become unwell over time. And now as parents being here and speaking to all of you pulls at my heartstrings in a way I could never have understood until I had a child of my own. Oh my God. In, you know, as he's giving this, these what seem to be prepared remarks, he, his voice cracks and he like loses it um, at the idea of having a child with um, physical difficulties. And it's just, wow. Or the idea of just protecting his child. Yeah. It was. Or like happiness over having a child. There's so many things, but it was just yeah. so moving. Yeah. It was really, um, it was really touching to see him that way. And, and then. Cause he's championed for so long. Mm-hmm. And it, I feel like it must just be such an amazing thing to go back to that full circle as a parent yourself now. And you're like, yeah, I understand this in ways I never even thought I possibly could. It's really interesting because, of course, as we were just saying, they're at their best, I think, all four of them when they're at events with children. And for him to say that all my work with children is even more intensified now as a parent was really special. Um, But it wasn't the only like super emotional moment that we got this week from them, obviously. So just two, two days later, we got the clip of the very first clip of the documentary started to float around on the internet um and it was that just this when i saw just like the screenshot alone right of megan looking like her eyes were glassy and full of tears i was like oh god what is this and watching the clip where she basically talks about how difficult this has all been um and being a woman as a woman and at being a pregnant woman and feeling so vulnerable and that she's not really doing okay and that no one has asked her about that so right when that that clip first went on uh online immediately it like went nuts on social media. And sometimes it's hard for me to tell if something is actually trending on social media because so much of my feeds are geared toward the Royals already. (laughs) Like every algorithm already serves me up all of the Royals content. So it was hard for me to tell how big this had gotten. And then on Twitter, the hashtag we love you, Megan, was the number one topic in the United States. And all these people who weren't just Royals fans like like us were all weighing in. Yeah, um, we had... Um, politicians in the U.S., including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's a congresswoman, she um, said, sudden prominence is a very dehumanizing experience. There's a part of your life that you lose, and it later dawns on you that you'll never get it back. The people who treat you like a human make all the difference. Yeah. Um, Roxanne Gay, who's a you know major best-selling author, noted, she tweeted, I'm very moved by that video of Meghan Markle, the pain in her eyes. I feel so much empathy for her and just want to reach out in friendship. I cannot imagine how hard it must be to deal with the British press and the monarchy while just trying to live. Um, I also, this, I mean... I was also really charmed by all like the funnier kind of tweets as well. Obviously, it's a really serious topic and watching it, I teared up. But I loved um, like I saw a painting of someone tweeted a painting of Washington crossing the Delaware like during the Revolutionary <laughs> War. And it was like us going back, us going to get Meghan Markle, like Americans going to like take her back, basically. Um, and my friend texted me and was like, can we go get her? And I liked that Americans felt this sort of like, and I'm sure I'm sure people all around the world felt this, but that Americans were like, we're going to go get her back. I saw <laughs> so many like, I'm ready to fight. Like, yeah, I'll kill anybody. Yeah, like, I'm taking know. my earrings out. Like, I will defend this woman. And it, it was so so lovely. And I saw in the Facebook group that lots of people were sharing uh, the address of the Sussex so that you can write her a letter of support. And unfortunately, you know, we don't have that handy. I don't. I don't. Um, so but sorry, we can. But we, you can look it up. Yeah. It's in the Facebook also, group. Join the Facebook group. <laughs> join the Facebook group. And we can also post it on our Instagram. But yeah. it's just such a 
it was nice because, of course, I know I love Megan and I'm surrounded by people who love Megan. Like and Lisa. we get criticized for loving her, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Yeah, but that. it was just like a, such a nice moment on the Internet where we were all like, it's OK that you're feeling what you feel and we're here for you. Um, and then, of course, on Sunday, um, the documentary aired in the UK. It's airing in the U.S. tomorrow, Wednesday. Wednesday. We're, we're recording on Tuesday. Also in the Facebook group, someone shared a YouTube link. So we watched it. Yeah. Illegally. So, yes, of course, it like wound. It found its way to YouTube. And so we've already watched it. So we're going to discuss some of um, the standout moments from it. So, of course, like I will just say from the top that the documentary was really moving because um, it was just really fun. It's only been like three weeks, but it was really fun to relive the Africa, the South Africa tour, because you can see the videos and you can see the Instagram clips, like these really quick hits. But to like really hear the music, to hear those groups of uh, people that they were meeting with singing in their joy. And that was really to hear the music that Megan and Harry were dancing to and to have it in context, I think, was just really special. Yeah. And so, that's not the kind of thing that gets picked up by the media. <laughs> but I that that part was really nice for it, me. It's so lovely. And I encourage everyone to watch it once it's available legally in the US. <laughs> right. So tomorrow, which is in the past for you, which is a confusing thing for us to grapple with. <laughs> um, but so the documentary was made by Tom Bradby and ITV. And Tom Bradby had also made a documentary with Prince Harry 15 years ago in Africa yeah. while Harry was on his gap year. So they go back. They have a relationship. And, and the documentary showed some clips from that, which was adorable. Like little baby Harry. I mean, baby, he's like 21 or 20. But he it's just so sweet. His voice is exactly the same, but his face is so different. And he's just talking about his plans for his future. And it's like, mm, look at you and how much he Cutie. loves Africa. And so there are so many standout moments, but we really want to focus on some things that Megan and Harry said that are really stand, stand out to us. So. At one point um, on the day that Megan and Harry introduced Archie to Archbishop Desmond Tutu, um, Tom asked Megan about race and Britain because, mm -hmm. of course, racism has been a really big issue and something that we've seen in like coverage of her. And so she replies, I would hope that people, the world, will get to a point where you just see us as a couple who's in love, right? Because I don't wake up every day and identify as being anything other than I've always been, which is Megan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was incredible. Also, just seeing her coming right off the Desmond Tutu moment because that's sort of where Tom grabs her, like in a corner of his house, and she's just like so giddy, like, "Oh my god, I can't believe!" Like my my son's gonna look back on that moment forever. I did see, I think, in the Facebook group, my greatest resource for royal news, mm -hmm. um, that someone was like, "Look in the background," and in the background of the interview, if you like zoom in while she's talking to Tom, you can see Harry like kind of bouncing Archie ah! like really far away, <laughs> like just to watch like it a doting again. dad. That's so sweet. Um, and then of course, like towards the middle of the documentary is when um, that is when Tom is interviewing Harry in the bush. And so that was, of course, it's really tough to watch. So, so many things to discuss in that like five minute interview. But the first to me was that, um, well, I want to just like deal with it quickly. One that got picked up everywhere is that he addresses the rift, quote unquote, I'm using giant scare quotes with my fingers. Because we don't. Because I just, yeah. all he said was like, I love my brother. I will always be there for him. He will always be there for me. We're on different roads and family fights sometimes. You know, like it really wasn't that big of a deal. And of course, everybody ran with it to be like, he confirmed the rift. I was like, he confirmed that he has a brother. Like, I don't really. He didn't say anything that was like, my brother and I actually are feuding. He just yeah. said like, you know, sometimes stuff happens, but we love each other and we support yeah. each other. And he just emphasized the fact that he loved and supported him. Also, I was watching his face very clearly to see if he like 
had any like scoff like there was no scoff he didn't like even half roll his eyes not that i mean he's a professional he knows what he's doing but like he was just like we're brothers like i i don't know his face he didn't tighten up i'm not like a body body language expert but i think i am (laughs) but he just didn't seem bothered by that question at all and he didn't seem to have any like animosity towards william at all but so i thought it was very silly that Everybody ran with that. I think they were just so happy that he finally addressed it in any sort of way. But to me, that was not the moment. The moment was him talking about the residual horror of losing his mother. I shouldn't even say residual because he himself said it's something he's dealing with every single day. Grief doesn't go away. The grief doesn't go away. And that every single time a camera flashes in his face, he's brought back to that day. Now, this just was so I think when I'm someone who's never experienced a loss like that thankfully and to hear him talking about that it's something he's thinking about like every single day I think you just have to shut like it's so hard to relate to something like that when you haven't experienced it and I think I just have shut down a part like I just was like oh I, I can't I don't I can't know what it's like and here he is explaining what it's like and it sounds awful right and then one thing that really stands out to me from that um moment he says I will not be bullied into playing a game that killed my mom yeah that was like sort of the last line that they show. Like it cuts after that. And because it's just so intense. And, you know, Tom himself is like, is it a wound that festers? Like, are you, he basically is like, is it, are you over it or is it a wound that festers? And he's like, it's a wound that festers. And for him to say that every photo click brings, I mean, that's his job is to, is to hear photo clicks. So I can't imagine like how he deals with this. I can't you know? either. So that was just to hear the reality of losing a parent. It, was it's really tough stuff and i'm really grateful to him for opening up like that and Mm -hmm. for just like laying it bare that this is really really hard um and he keeps referring to what he does as a job and that this is what it is to be part of this family and he's right of course you know yeah and i think he does this you know for the i know there's critics out there who are like if it's so tough to be a prince like you don't have to do this or whatever but i think he respects what he can do with this job and the impact he can have and the ch- the causes he can champion and the causes he can champion and how much he can really make a difference and so i think the benefits of that outweigh the horror of watching his wife get attacked but he will not stand up to, like, he won't let it happen either it's just wow i mean i have all the respect in the world for him and this just brought it up even more yeah and then the last 10 minutes are really like the big interview with Megan that you see the clips from the clips that are like circulating online so um I mean there's so much to pull here um you know at one point she refers to Harry as H and she kind of like she realizes that she says it and she's like that's what I call him like in a really like quick kind of moment like it was my favorite like twice in the clip in the interviews she giggles like this sort of like I don't know. It was so normal. She's like, that's what I call him. And she's like, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. And she um, she talked about how um, when she first met Harry, all of her friends were really happy, except her one British friend was like, They're don't do ruin- it. Yeah. The British tabloids are going to destroy your life. And she was like, what do you mean? Right. And I actually, I can, I mean, I can't relate to it because obviously like. No one cares about me. But <laughs> I, care. I mean, other than my friends and family and I guess <laughs> Rose. But mm. like I relate in that the U.S., tabloids like us weekly and other things they are very different from the uk tabloids and so she was not prepared for that and she admits it here and she was just like i had no idea and so i really think that's that comes from a place of complete honesty where she did not know that they were going to write racist things about her family they were going to publish 
personal letters from her father. Like, yeah. how could she ever have thought that? Because that's not really what happens here. Yeah, I tried to really think about what it must be. I mean, I think about this a lot, obviously. But after watching that interview, maybe she thought, okay, I'll get photographed a lot. Or, you know. Everyone's going to talk about my outfit. Yeah, just that kind of thing. Not, I'm going to I'm gonna dig into your past and find every family member that hates you. Or, or like every friend you've ever had a friend break up with. Yeah, your exes, your nail polish color, how your clothes fit. You know, just every single thing, the way you touch your hair a lot is it's a level of scrutiny that I can't understand. And so she talked about that um, a little bit. She said this is different from scrutiny. Um, It's a really different beast. And she talked about I knew it would be a lot, but I never thought it would be easy, but I thought it would be fair. Mm -hmm. So Lisa and I were G chatting about this a little bit because I (laughs) we use G chat. We use DMs. (laughs) We're texting. Um, I thought the word fair was kind of a strange one because I was like, well, who thinks tabloids are going to be fair? Like maybe I. I, I don't know if that's like a glass half empty. I work in the media kind of thing. And I was like, of course, they're not going to be fair. Like, what is fair? And so you had your own sort of interpretation of it. Yeah. So we we discussed it and we feel like fair is twofold. So on the the one finger, <laughs> fair is honest. And mm-hmm. so she mentioned the fact that she will tell people like that's untrue, but they'll still publish it even if there's like a statement saying this is not true. And so she's like, fair is something that's honest. And then I think also in the spirit of honesty, it's like, if she messes up, call her out on it. But like, don't or twist t- things out of context and yeah. blow things out of proportion and lie about things. Yeah. And also like give her the equal weight that you would give other members of the yeah, family. That's the other finger. You're the other, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. The other finger, um, again, Lisa and I are counting off on our fingers because we have so <laughs> many things we want to say. So that's what that's the other finger um, on the other finger. Uh, yeah, I think part of what she was saying and this was we got a little This is our interpretation. And then also we read Lainey Gossip. Yes, of course. And Lainey had a really thoughtful post about this this week um, that part of it is also that she gets much more scrutiny than all the other royal family members, at least right now. Maybe that will change one day. But she is the one in the spotlight right now. So she's getting a level of scrutiny and a level of just them ripping apart every action that she does in a way that is not equal to some of her family members. Yeah, and so um, I'm just going to quote from Lainey because I think that Lainey is a genius and um, and I love her so much. So Lainey writes, Fairness doesn't just have to do with how the tabloids are treating Harry and Meghan one-on-one. It's also how they're treating her in comparison to her peers, other members of the royal family. Like I keep saying where the private jet thing is concerned, Harry and Meghan aren't the only ones who fly private and encourage climate change awareness. William does too. So does Charles recently. Um, And they're not on the front page of the tabloids every single day for two weeks about the issue. And then had it been Harry and Meghan that had um, some rumors about marriage issues or had it been them, you know, with all the Prince Andrew stuff, (laughs) which like, you know, we try not to talk about. But like, you know, if they had anything to do with that, like, like, let's have some perspective, please. Yeah. It's just the level of scrutiny is very unlike the level of scrutiny you see to other people, which isn't to say that like everyone else has the easiest time in the tabloids, right. but it's not necessarily fair. No, it's not fair. Um, and so Lisa convinced I, I came around because I was like, the word fair just like struck me as so odd. I was like, did she mean honest? Did she, you know, what did she mean? Um, but overall, um, what a week, what an interview. Like, w- you know, we were talking about this before we started recording and we sort of were like, we kind of think this was like their Martin Bashir moment. Yeah. And if that is a reference that you aren't familiar with, well, first of all, 
again, how did you stumble upon this podcast? But secondly, <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> in the 90s, um, Princess Diana gave an interview to Martin Bashir. That was the you've I'm sure you've seen the clips over and over and over again. She was incredibly honest. She was incredibly emotional um, in a way that I, we could imagine maybe would have upset her. Uh, ex-in-laws. She talked about her eating disorder. She talked about her husband cheating on her, um, all the pain she'd been through and how she had sort of fought against the royals at every step of the way. And it was this incredibly like landmark moment for her um, to, to be this honest with them and to be so open and vulnerable. And it felt, you know, Harry and Meghan didn't say anything that was incredibly shocking, not like that Diana interview, but they did speak in a way that was sort of unprecedented for both of them in terms of openness and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So it was really incredible to see. I don't think we'll ever forget that image of Megan looking like she's about like trying so hard not to cry um, while talking about how tough it's been. Yeah. And, and I don't think anybody wouldn't be touched by that moment. Of course. And we, of course, really love when anyone talks about mental health. So, you know, that's one reason why we like James Middleton so much, because he's so outspoken about it. So yeah. when anyone who's royal or royal adjacent even will go out on a limb to say, like, hey, I'm not doing all right. We yeah. really, really admire it. Yeah. And her also talking about uh, I've tried to do the British stiff upper lip and it's like not working for me. I thought that was really interesting as well. Like very relatable of like, I'm trying to do it your way and it's really tough and I don't know how you guys do it. And um, yeah, it was really interesting. I really feel for them. I do think on some level you just have to like shut off part of your brain and be like, I assume they're handling it well. But they're not. And so for them to just be like, I'm not handling it well. Like, I see it. I see some of it. And I can't not feel things. Like, I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. um, was really special um, for the people who, I don't know, for the people who see that stuff and don't have an emotional reaction or don't feel sympathy toward the Sussexes. I don't really know what to do with you. But also, you're probably not listening right now. So yeah. <laughs> you, so you, you haven't stumbled upon us. <laughs> so, you know, since that outpouring of emotion that we got on Sunday night or Sunday night to us because we watched it illegally, sorry, ITV, <laughs> um, Megan had an event tonight where she uh, was attending. Tuesday night. Tuesday night, sorry, was attending London's uh, Royal Albert Hall uh, ceremony for the one Young World Summit, which is actually an organization that she's worked with for years, way before she was a royal. Um, so she, this is the third time she's attended. Um, it's a summit to talk about the importance of women's rights and the role men play in achieving equality. Um, she wore a purple dress. Aritzia. Yeah, is the Aritzia dress that she wore while she was pregnant circa January or so with the red coat. Birkenhead. It was the Birkenhead stop, remember? Of course. You the say red... it like, ah, of course, yes. I, let me look in my Rolodex of events. Yes, it was the it's Birkenhead. It's like one of the only names I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but she just I, I love I love the styling. She's wearing like purpley blue shoes or yeah, maybe just blue. I loved like the giant full hair, just loving this hair. Um, and I feel like I watched the clip of her walking down the stairs entering the event and the crowd goes beyond nuts. And to me, that felt like a bit of a re I think, of course, if I were in a crowd with her, I'd go beyond nuts. But I thought I felt like a reaction to her documentary moment a little bit. Like, we support you. We're British and we support you. You're loved here. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. Aw. Um, before we adjourn the Royal Pod, we have some highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. Let's start with lows, other than everything we already talked about. <laughs> I mean, are there other lows? It's been a pretty good week. Um, I think we have the same low, which is also just kind of a funny thing. So, of course, the tabloids listen 
and sometimes will pull quotes from us. And so like a week or two ago, we were talking about James Middleton's engagement. And we're like, oh, maybe just completely speculating, just pulling things out of our butt, not even with any sort of like real knowledge. We're like, maybe the kids will be involved in some way. And then we talked about how Louis can walk. So that's the thing. I did not pull that out of my butt. I have seen with my own eyes. You've seen him walk. I've seen him walk. I know that Prince Louis can walk. And so we were like, maybe he'll be in the wedding. Because he's ready to walk some more. Because he's a toddler. And um, that was picked up all around the world. Um, So many headlines like, royal shock. Prince Louis' new role revealed. It was actually amazing to watch like, uh, the tabloids played telephone and each interpreted the headline like a, like each one stretched it a little bit further until it was like here's Prince Louis's new role and I was like I, is it I don't know we were just like oh maybe we'll see them also he can walk he can walk that's just like a fact that we know from the Kensington Palace and my from own their eyes. Instagram account like they put it out there like he I can walk anyone can deduce from seeing him walk that he's able to walk anyway I thought it was funny I thought it was funny but like also but like, just so bizarre like why our own little tiny tiny touch of the British tabloids super taking tiny. everything I do and spinning it around like grammar rants yeah very weird um and then highs okay so my high um I'm just gonna be selfish and start with myself go ahead so other than other stuff we've mentioned while so much stuff was happening with the British royal family it seems like basically every other royal in the world was in Japan for the emperor's enthronement celebration and that of course meant a lot of tiaras oh my god so luckily town and country our friend Carol- Caroline Halliman had this great write-up with so many tiaras to look at, so everyone should look at it. But we have like Empress Masako with her um, tiara that she wore, and it was also the same that her mother-in-law wore to an enthronement ceremony in 1990. Amazing, amazing. We had Queen Maxima of the Netherlands, like resplendent in red with this like chevron. She looked amazing. Her uh, tiara had rubies in it, with which worked so well with the gown. And I am obsessed with Letizia of Spain's like pink dress with the white flowers on it. Her her tiara is literally like taller than her face is. It's it, like three inches tall. It looks like a Disney princess outfit. It's you know? so like what you so imagine good. a queen or a princess wearing. Obsessed with all of them. It just oh what an event why don't we get all the royals in the same place at the same time more often can everyone hang out i just i know it's it's a security nightmare but it's really good and of course yes charles was there um looking great as well and then caitlin what's your high so my high is oh my god we finally got a season three trailer like a real 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 trailer i don't know if people heard what you were saying because you were laughing with joy (laughs) it's the crown the crown season three trailer is finally out some dramatic bob dylan reinterpretation oh my god okay so i to bh i sort of rolled my eyes at like oh this season is the 1960s so we're gonna play the times they are a change in cover like it's a little corny you know that times are changing it's how you know things are different and it's the 60s um but however (laughs) however olivia olivia coleman just like outstanding Helena Helena Bonham Carter Carter. (laughs) just unbelievable and I loved seeing how much of Charles we're going to get how much of Prince Charles's story oh and that line that I'm going to completely mess up but something where he's like my family has my best interest at heart and this woman's like no they don't don't. (laughs) no they don't and he like turns to see all of his family like looking at him and you know somebody pointed out uh that of course like it came out the same week as Harry being like my family so it it, they couldn't have planned that but it was sort of striking uh to see him like that and so november 17th thank god it's all happening i'm not leaving the house i can't wait i hate leaving the house anyway 12 hours or 13 hours or like many (laughs) however however much they get however long it takes (laughs) Um, so you guys can drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com to ask us any and all questions about the royals 
please, please, please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us the royal rating of a five-star review. And here's a real review. Caitlin, would you please do the honors? Yeah, it's from Heidi Makes Hats, which is a great username. I love your podcast. Yeah, I love your podcast. All the different segments are lovely. The interviews are fantastic. Eric Singer was amazing. Agree. The show feels like a great gab session. (laughs) You just sang that. Agree. (laughs) It's the gin. Um, The show feels like a great gab session with like-minded girlfriends. Thanks. Thanks, Heidi. Make me a hat. You're our friend. Yeah. We need hats. Um, you guys can follow the show on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Um, you can follow me, Lisa, at Lisa Raya. No N. On like whatever. <laughs> on all the things. The things. Still not TikTok, though. Um, and you can follow me, Caitlin, at HeyKmenz, H-E-Y-K-M-E-N-Z, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and shout out to the listeners in Trondheim, Norway, who were DMing me tips. We have listeners in Trondheim, Norway. It makes me so, so happy so to amazing. know that. Um, yeah, that's where you can follow me. And until next week, God save the pod. God the pod. <laughs> Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.